You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast at savage.love. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, So, Nancy Mace kind of told on herself last week. If you're lucky, if you're sane, if you're not a political obsessive like I am, you may not know who Nancy Mace is. So, first things first, Nancy Mace is a congresswoman. She represents South Carolina's first congressional district in the House. She's a Republican. She's a conservative. She's religious. And it was in her capacity as a conservative, religious, Republican member of Congress that Mace attended a prayer breakfast last week where she gave opening remarks that focused on the obstacle course she had to run that morning to get to the prayer breakfast on time. When I woke up this morning at 7, I was getting picked up at 7.45. Patrick, my fiancé, tried to pull me by my waist over this morning in bed, and I was like, no, baby, we don't got time for that this morning. Uh, I got to get to the prayer breakfast, and I got to be on time, and a little TMI. But um, I, he'll, he can wait. He's got, we got, I'll see him later tonight. I'm getting prayed for in the morning. Get me off this dick in time. Okay, it may be a bit of an exaggeration to say Mace had to run an obstacle course. Mace just had to dodge that one dick. But Mace's remarks created a bit of a scandal in and out of South Carolina in conservative religious circles last week. Mace has a fiancé, and that's fine. People get engaged. Mace lives with her fiancé. As her remarks made clear, they woke up together that morning, so they are cohabitating, which for the kind of people who attend prayer breakfasts in South Carolina may not be fine. That's one of those things they don't want. And what is that turn of phrase they're constantly using when it comes to gay people living their lives? Oh, right. That may not be something they want shoved down their throats. Mace made these remarks at the 13th annual South Carolina prayer breakfast, which is not to be confused with the National Prayer Breakfast, which takes place every year in February, the National Prayer Breakfast, now in its 70th year. You know how sometimes I say you snoop and you find out something you needed to know and had a right to know, but sometimes you snoop and find out something you didn't need to know and then can't unknow? Well, I snooped on the National Prayer Breakfast this morning and found out it was founded here in Seattle by a preacher named Abraham Verrede, not far from my house in the 1930s. Back to Mace and what she said at that prayer breakfast. It's not just that Mace and her fiance are living together. That is not all she said. He wanted to fuck her that morning and she wanted to fuck him and she for sure will fuck him later when she gets home from the prayer breakfast. Later, she is going to throw herself on the dick that she struggled to pull herself off of that morning. And since Mace's wedding wasn't scheduled for later that afternoon, they would be having more of the premarital sex they have been having. Sex before marriage, Mace and her fiancé are not abstaining. They are not waiting. The Bulwarks Tim Miller took to Twitter or X or whatever the fuck to say, cute story, hope she gets hers soon enough, but I noticed there is never a Christian baker that wants to decline making cakes for weddings between straight people who publicly discuss premarital sex. Now, Very few people are virgins on their wedding nights. Very few people abstain from premarital sex with fiancés or randos. And considering that Mace herself has been married and divorced twice already and has two kids from her second marriage, I'm going to climb out on this limb here and say that Mace isn't going to be a virgin on her third and hopefully final wedding night. But even though Jesus condemns divorce, we don't see Christian bakers refusing to make cakes for second or third marriages if those second or third marriages are straight ones. Because it's not about religion or Christianity. It's about hating gay people and looking for an excuse. Oh, and along with condemning divorce, Matthew chapter 5, verses 31-32, Jesus condemns praying in public. Jesus doesn't think you should make a big show out of prayer. He thinks that's something that you should do in private, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5-6. If Mace had stuck to praying in private, if she had taken Jesus Christ's advice, she wouldn't have been in a position to let everybody at that prayer breakfast know that if she'd gotten up 15 minutes earlier, she could have taken a load that morning. But as telling on yourself went last week, I think Jeff Duncan, former lieutenant governor of Georgia, now a talking head on CNN, might have told us something a little bit more revealing. 
Mace only admitted to doing what most Americans do, pre-marital sex, more than 95% of Americans aren't virgins on their wedding nights, fully 100% of people on their third marriages aren't virgins on their third wedding nights. That's something most Americans know, most Americans do, premarital sex, even if some Americans like to pretend, particularly at prayer breakfast, that most Americans don't do it or shouldn't do it or everybody agrees shouldn't be doing it or shouldn't be publicly admitting to doing it. Anyway, Jeff Duncan on CNN talking about the odds that the Republican Party will nominate Donald Trump a third time for president. Looks like it's going to happen. Trump is currently crushing DeSantis and everybody else in the polls. Duncan had this to say to and about the GOP base. We need somebody that's got the whole package and hopefully one of those are able to step up. But look, they should all be unanimous in, in rebuking anything Donald Trump has to do and say uh, he's hijacked our Republican Party. And, you know, th this is maybe funny to say, but I was making this analogy last night. You know, nominating Donald Trump for the Republican Party is a lot like peeing in your pants, right? It's going to feel good for a couple of seconds. But then you wake up and you realize the realities of what you just did. There's nothing in the Bible about pissing your pants. There is an entire section of Pornhub devoted to the practice. Coincidence? I don't think so. All right, coming up on today's show on the micro, tons of your cues, lots of my A's, and on the Magnum Savage Lovecast that you can subscribe to at savage.love, San Francisco-based sex therapist and sex coach Leslie Sherman joins me. We talk about verbal abuse, some verbal abuse that was supposed to be sexy but wasn't, a woman who found her dead dad's porn stash, the ethics of becoming the other woman, and more. All that coming up on today's show. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, the very best tool for trimming your body hair. Go to meridiangrooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. Support for today's show, support we are very grateful for, comes from Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can access all the amazing services of the post office right from your desk in your own home, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Just click, print, mail, and you are done. It could not be easier. And right now, use Savage for this special offer. Includes up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Do not wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Savage. That's stamps.com. Enter S-A-V-A-G-E. Hi, Dan. I'm an early 30s cis gay man living in the Bay Area. I'm calling about an instance of parental oversharing and radical honesty. My dad divorced my mom about 10 years ago and has been living with his long-term girlfriend for the past eight years or so. Last year, he came out his word as polyamorous and told my siblings and me about a second girlfriend. His live-in girlfriend, of course, is aware of the new partner and has multiple partners herself. He told my sister about a third girlfriend, and when I called him for Father's Day this year, he told me about going to a kink camp. We briefly met my dad's second girlfriend around the holidays, but it felt like an ambush introduction. We came over to his house for a holiday visit, and we saw a dog that was there that doesn't normally live there. He told us it was his second girlfriend's dog, and that she and her husband were going to come over to pick up the dog in about 30 minutes. That's how we met. At the same time, I think he has been oversharing in ways that cross some serious boundaries. He lets me and my siblings know if he's going to visit one of his girlfriends during phone conversations with him in a way that I think implies that they're having sex. Like I mentioned before, he also mentioned that he's going to a kink camp. You know, good for him, but I don't really want to know about that. As a gay man living in the Bay Area, I can appreciate his wants or need for ethical non-monogamy and exploring a side of his sexuality after years of not doing so when he was married to my mother, something that I've you know certainly picked up on over the years. I get it. I came out once, albeit when I was like 15. He feels like he's like in a new chapter of his life and he's living his truth. And as part of this, I think he's pursuing this like strategy of radical honesty, which I think is usually interpreted by other people as sort of a cringy, awkward oversharing. I know that some of these emotions are also probably wrapped up in the divorce and kind of the the scar, the emotional scar tissue that comes with it. Well, it was a long time ago. Not all the wounds have healed. And at the same time, I have to imagine that if my parents were still together, I wouldn't really want to know if they decided to open up their marriage. I don't need to know everything about my parents' lives, especially their sex lives. So with all that said, I'm looking for guidance for how to hold a conversation with my dad where we you know, establish some boundaries and we can talk about his polyamory and multiple partners, but still kind of you know, set boundaries for what's normal and doesn't put us sort of in an awkward position. 
Family relationships, when it comes to sex, are a little tricky. Nobody likes to think about their kids having sex. Nobody who's a kid, and everybody's a kid or was a kid at some point, likes to think about their parents having sex. And we construct these relationships and conduct these relationships in a way where we can suspend our disbelief, where we can, even if our kids or parents have relationships, we somehow are not able to think of them as being particularly sexual. And then something happens. You know, our kid that we thought was straight comes out as gay. And for straight parents who are invested in their kids being straight and able to suspend their disbelief about their straight kids being sexual, knowing your kid is gay for a lot of straight parents, once the kid comes out, forces the parent to wrestle with all sorts of mental images about their kid having a very particular kind of sex. And it can take the parent a little while to get back to that place that they are with their straight kids, where they know their kids are straight. They don't think about their kids having all that crazy straight sex. They can get to a place where they know their kids are gay, that they can see that's mostly about relationships. And they don't dwell on the specifics of their gay kids' presumed sexual activities or tastes or what they may have discovered about their gay kids' sexual activities or tastes. The kids do the same thing with the parents. They don't like to think about their parents being sexual, not even if the parents who conceived you are still together. And then maybe in adulthood you're confronted, you know, parents divorce, they get new partners, they're experiencing new relationship energy, they're adults now. You're straddling that parent-child relationship, but also parent-child friendship in adulthood where then a parent might say something or share something that kind of freaks the kid out because you never liked thinking about your parents being sexual any more than your parents ever liked thinking about you being sexual, which is a long way of saying when you came out, your parents had to think about you doing things, enjoying things that they probably were uncomfortable, at least at first, thinking about. Now that your dad has come out to you as Polly, you're having to think about your dad doing things. You, Your sister has to think about your dad doing things that you may not be comfortable thinking about your dad doing. It's not just that he has a girlfriend. He has a girlfriend and he's poly. He has another girlfriend. His other girlfriend has a husband. There are other partners. And yeah, your dad has a particular kind of sex life, not just a relationship with his girlfriend where you can default to that kid sort of suspension of disbelief that it's it's a partnership and not particularly sexual, obviously sexual. And you just have to eat that. Sorry, you just have to eat that. Your dad's pollying out and has more than one partner and everything that that suggests. However, you should be able to say to your dad, going to a kink party, that's something to share with your friends, not your kids. If I was going to a kink party, that's not something I would tell my parents. It's not something I want to hear from my parents. So this one time, dad, I'm going to say, I am glad you found the right partner. I am glad that you have a rewarding and complicated and entertaining sexual relationship and polycule and you're having adventures and I don't want to know about them. Just as I spare you the things that you don't necessarily need or want to know about me, beyond what you can assume or infer just from my sexuality and the relationships I'm in, that's the kind of consideration I want in return from you. Happy for you, don't want to hear about it. That's not necessarily sex negative. That's appropriate boundaries between parents and children. Usually it's the parent that has to draw those boundaries, but sometimes... Sometimes it's the child who has to step in and draw or redraw that boundary. And if your dad gets butt sore about it, let him be butt sore about it. And then go out of your way to give him a call in a couple of weeks after you have this conversation, if he's butt sore, and ask after his girlfriend and ask after his other girlfriend to demonstrate to him that it's not about the poly shit. It's not about having multiple partners, that you love him and you love his multiple partners and you love them for loving him. It's not that you can't hear about them or don't want to see them. It's that you don't want the play-by-play. -play. You don't want to know about the campgrounds they're going to and the kinks they're exploring there. Hi, Dan. I'm calling to get your take on whether a don't-ask-don't-tell relationship might be in order here. I'm 28 years old. I've been dating my boyfriend for a little over two years. He's almost two decades older than me. It's the best relationship I've ever had. We connect on so many levels. His family is great and full of support. The sex rules, it's just awesome in so many ways. 
over the two years we've been together, we've been sort of open. I say sort of because he's hooked up maybe a handful of times. The openness is pretty one-sided though. I am not so motivated to go hook up because I'm trans and he is cis. And I feel like my trans body is too complicated and it's just not worth putting it out there with some randos, which might not even be a good time. I did suck somebody off at a glory hole once and that was fun. But my cis boyfriend has much more desire than I do. Hooking up is a lot less of a big deal for him, understandably. He's had a lot more sex than I have throughout his life. But I think that's at least partly why I get so jealous about it. He gets to have this easy cis gay sex whenever he wants, whereas someone might look at me in horror when I pull down my pants. He hasn't pushed me on it, but it does come up. Like right now, he's talking to a guy that he'd like to have sex with, which then stirs up my anxieties and insecurities. We talk about it, me talking it to death, not knowing when to stop processing, him beating himself up, saying things like, it would be so much easier if I didn't want this. Why do I have to complicate things? I try to simply express my needs. For example, I can be comfortable with you fucking this guy, but I'm not comfortable with you dating him or hanging out with him all the time. Even if he does agree to this, I'm still not 100% comfortable. I still have some anxieties and that stresses him out. The way I see it, I'm comfortable enough that I think he should take my yes and do it. The fallout though, is that after he hooks up, I still have some feelings of anxiety until we reconnect and I feel secure again. It seems like more than anything, he wants the freedom to cruise or hook up or whatever without any consequences. So could this fall into his zone of erogenous autonomy? Should I tell him, go forth and fuck, I don't need to know. I have mixed feelings about that because on the one hand, I want to ultimately be comfortable being open. I want to hear about his sexcapades without the anxious jolt that runs through my body right now when he tells me about them. I like to think that I'm growing and getting better at this as I grow more secure in myself and in relationships. Uh, maybe it's just because he hasn't been hooking up lately that things seem great. I really don't know how we come together on this one and would love your advice. P.S. We have perfected the art of coming simultaneously from PIV, and it is glorious. How many gay men can say that they have perfected the art of coming simultaneously during PIV with their boyfriends? You are a rare rare flower. And your boyfriend is himself living proof, evidence that there are gay men out there who are into you, attracted to you and into your body and into the genitals that you have. You say that you're worried if you should hook up with somebody else that the moment you pull down your pants, they'll recoil in horror. All right. That's the mistake you're making. You're not disclosing the fact that you're trans and that you have a pussy, which for many, many gay men who are attracted to trans men is a perk, is a feature, not a bug. Those are the gay men that you want to attract. Those are the gay men that you want to go to bed with, not gay men who are sleeping with you or accepting head from you despite the fact that you're trans and you have female genitalia, but gay men who are into trans guys without, of course, objectifying or fetishizing trans guys or trans bodies. And those gay men are out there. And if you're out on dating apps or hookup apps about being a trans man, you will attract their attentions. Now, it may be that you're not comfortable with their attention. Some trans guys don't want that kind of attention, lustful attention paid to their female genitalia, which for some trans guys can induce dysphoria. But if you're boasting to me about perfecting PIV intercourse and coming simultaneously, I'm just going to go out on a limb here and guess you're not one of those trans guys. So if you want to have more successful one-off hookups, with gay men, some of whom might also be trans, you should, I don't want to say lead with that, but you should bundle that into your bios on the apps and wherever else you're seeking casual sex partners. Go to bed with people you're not anxious about their reaction once they know that you're trans. Go to bed with people who have already nominated themselves, identified themselves as guys who are going to be excited about the fact that you are trans and everything else that you are also. And of course, 
In the meantime, as you grow more comfortable, can you have a DADT? Absolutely, you can have a DADT. And absolutely, you can set boundaries with your committed partner, like no dating, no hanging out. That's easier to do when it's gay men having casual sex because gay men can have that kind of casual sex. It's a little harder in opposite sex relationships or lesbian relationships because a lot of women aren't comfortable being sexual with randos and aren't comfortable with the risks of being sexual, particularly with male randos, in the same way that gay men are comfortable being sexual with randos and face less risk being sexual with randos. But in a gay relationship like yours, yeah, you can say one-offs, you can say no hanging out, no repeats, no relationships, no dating other guys, at least for now. And you can also say, at least for now, I don't want to hear about it. When it happens, it makes me anxious. There may be times when you do want to hear about it. You could say to your boyfriend, look, hearing about it in the moment can make me anxious. My anxiety can ruin a night for both of us. So I'll let you know when I want it, when I'm feeling sexy and I do want to hear about it, I will ask, and you can give me the download about any adventures you've had in the last six months or a year. So it's not about being dishonest, not about lying. It's not about, I don't want you to do these things or pretend you're not doing these things. I just want to be able to have some control over when I hear about them and whether I'm ready to hear about them. And then, yeah, DADT, that can absolutely work. And that is also not carved in stone. It's not set in concrete. You can have DADT now, and then you can revisit, renegotiate the terms of your relationship, whether it remains open or one day you close it, down the road. This episode is brought to you by the Meridian Trimmer, my new favorite tool for shaving down there. Meridian offers powerful trimmers that cut through even the coarsest hair, but their trimmers are gentle enough for your privates. You'll enjoy a comfortable shave below the belt with no nicks, cuts, or ingrowns. Meridian trimmers are for men, they're for women, they're for non-binary folks, and they're for any style, whether you prefer completely bare, neatly trimmed scruff, or a well-rounded bush. This high-quality waterproof trimmer is fitted with a 6,000 RPM motor, safe ceramic blades, and an anti-nick shaving guard. And Meridian has so many happy customers, over 1,000 five-star reviews online. With the Meridian trimmer, you can get your body hair looking just how you like it and feel good and sexy with your fuzz. Get a Meridian trimmer today for the ultimate trimming experience without the pain, discomfort, or awkwardness. Order now and take control of your grooming routine on your own terms. Listeners of the Savage Lovecast get an extra 15% off your order using the coupon code SAVAGE. Go to M-E-R-I-D-I-A-N grooming.com and use the code SAVAGE for an exclusive 15% off. You deserve a better and safer below-the-belt trimming experience And with Meridian Trimmer, you can get one today. Hi, Dan. I have a question about a spiritual leader who I've been seeing for counseling for the last two years that I've really appreciated. I feel like he's been really helpful to me. He's a Buddhist pastor and he also does counseling. I mean, leads a meditation session. You know, he's pretty hot. He's about 20 years older than me. And occasionally I've had the hots for him. But I mean, I think that's normal for clients. And obviously I've never said anything. But anyway, he, the other night, sent me a text that at 1.30 in the morning, it was pictures from a sexy, like, sort of burlesque show he was at, including pictures of this nearly naked woman on a stripper pole. And I just thought it was very inappropriate. And I kind of, I want to keep him as my therapist, but I, I think I need to set a boundary or bring it up, maybe, or... Maybe you think that I should just get a new therapist or maybe I should just hook up with him. I don't know. Let me know what you think. You got to pick a horse here. Are you psyched that he sent this photo that seemed inappropriate that might open a door to a conversation about sex, desire, possibilities? Or are you offended that he sent this photo? Because on principle, a spiritual leader shouldn't be sending this kind of photo to one of his spiritual acolytes, someone with whom he has a therapeutic, spiritual, woo-woo relationship. Pick one. Either you want to fuck him and now you have your opening to at least taking the conversation to a more flirtatious place and you're thrilled about that. In which case, if you're going to take the conversation in that direction, you should probably end your therapeutic or spiritual relationship with this guy. You shouldn't be your 
Buddhist mentor anymore or whatever the fuck he is. And you should be happy about that. But if on principle, you're more offended than you are delighted. Well, I guess then you should set a boundary and say, Hey, there's a power imbalance in our relationship. You're 20 years older than I am. You're my spiritual mentor. You're my therapist, whatever he is. And I just felt like that photo was inappropriate and you shouldn't have sent it to me because dot, 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 either conversation could lead to you two fucking and because you are obviously excited about the prospect of potentially maybe possibly fucking this guy. Yeah, I think that's probably in the cards here, whatever direction you go in, assuming it wasn't an innocent photograph, assuming the photo wasn't more innocent than the content might make it seem. Maybe it was a lapse of judgment on his part. Maybe he's a Buddhist therapist, mentor, spiritual leader, but sex positive and matter of fact about the fact that he was in a sex club or there was a stripper on a pole. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but you got to pick a horse. Excited because now you get to fuck this guy or annoyed because this guy violated a boundary that he should religiously adhere to when it comes to his patients, therapists, followers, acolytes, whatever the fuck you are to him. Pick one and then you'll know what to do next. This episode is brought to you by stamps.com. I know that it's really hard work to run a small business. I don't have much of a mind for business myself, so I appreciate everyone who works so hard on this show. And I appreciate everyone out there who's slogging away, making your venture, your small business work too. My hat is off to you. Stamps.com gets it because for the last 25 years, they've been helping businesses like yours save time and money so you can focus on your business. Knowing Stamps.com has all your postage needs covered with premium discounts and great rates. With Stamps.com, all you need is a computer and a printer. They even send you a free scale so you'll have everything you need to get started. If you need a package pickup, you can easily schedule it through your Stamps.com dashboard. And if you sell products online, Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Running a business isn't cheap, especially when it comes to fulfilling orders for your customers. Luckily, Stamps.com has huge carrier discounts of up to 84% off USPS and UPS rates. Plus, Stamps.com automatically tells you your cheapest and fastest shipping options. For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. Get access to the USPS and UPS services you need right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Set your business up for success when you get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with promo code SAVAGE, S-A-V-A-G-E, for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code SAVAGE. Dear Dan and the tech-savvy at-risk youth, I'm a mid-30s pansexual cis female from New England. I'm calling you regarding the last thing in the world I'd normally take issue with, my incredibly wet pussy. Now, I realize having a super wet vagina is a wonderful thing. It's an obvious sign of my sexual pleasure, and my partners have always loved how wet they make me. I've never really needed lube, which is also a treat. Let me be clear in that I definitely have wet pussy pride. Here's the only issue. Being super wet makes it difficult at times for me to hold a lot of penetrative sex positions that I'm into. It's as if I'm so soaked and sopping wet that there's not enough friction and my partner often slips out. And I want to add here that this is definitely not an issue of penis size or length, if that's what you might be thinking. Uh, especially in those women on top positions, I've tried changing up and adjusting the angles and body positions to account for this but it's still an issue where we constantly need to reposition and reinsert his penis inside of me, which takes a bit away from the passion of the moment when it happens over and over again. I've also tried doing more back and forth and grinding motions, but that doesn't bring either of us as much pleasure as the full-on like, up-and-down motions. My partner and I are both sexually adventurous and we're enjoying exploring a variety of sex positions. And I don't want to be restricted to only a few positions because of my excessive wetness. 
I suppose it's a good problem to have, and we still very much love the sex we're having. But do you have any advice on how to keep the slip out from happening so much? This is how your pussy works. You get very, very wet, and that has an upside. You say you've never had to use lube. You and your partners get this very tactile visual confirmation of your arousal, and that has to be sexy as fuck, I imagine, in the moment. But, you know, there's a downside. There's a little less friction, a little less hold, uh, because you're so wet, and so you're constantly not constantly, occasionally, the penis is slipping out and you're having to reinsert it. I don't think you can throw sand in there or anything to make you lubricate less or make your natural vaginal secretions less slippery. I think you just have to roll with this and incorporate the reinsertion into your PIV routine as just part of it and and to make it sexy. You're so turned on. You're constantly, not constantly, occasionally during PIV, he's having to put his dick back inside you and you should gamify that and make it part of the play. And you should hear from the future to tell you, enjoy it while it lasts. The older people get the less, you know, pre-cum, pre-ejaculate a man might drool out of his dick during arousal, the harder erections are to obtain, men produce less ejaculate as they age, and women produce less vaginal secretions. You're going to have a less wet-ass pussy as you get older and you're mid-30s now. So rather than seeing your wet-ass pussy and the way it impacts your sex life now as a problem, I would encourage you to enjoy it while it lasts because one day you are going to miss this. One day, you know, in a decade or two, you're probably going to have to, and no shame in it, probably going to have to use lube because you will be less wet. You'll be creating less vaginal secretions naturally. And you'll be able then to enjoy sex without all the slipping out that you have to endure now. And I promise you, when that day comes, you're probably going to miss this a little bit. So rather than trying to fix this or solve this, I would encourage you to enjoy this. Learning to enjoy our genitals and sex the way it actually works, rather than having some ideal about how sex ought to work, that there should never be any slipping out. You should just be able to ride that dick without having to reposition or reinsert. Yeah, you could waste a lot of time trying to control for that or fix that or solve that. Or... You could enjoy that, you could roll with that, and you could build up a lot of good spank bank memories of those days, and then you'll be able to remember them fondly in 15 years when your pussy is still hot, you're still loving sex, but your pussy most likely is going to be a little less wet, and then then you'll be able to enjoy PIV with a little more friction, naturally, then you're able to enjoy it now. So you're going to get kind of the best of both worlds. Just have to be patient. Hi, Dan. 38 cis male on the East Coast. Calling about an issue I'm having with my wife right now. So we have been together for about 11 years and married for about three. For the last three or four years, I've been wanting to explore um, a little bit outside of the marriage for both of us. Um, I've developed fantasies of like um like hot wifing type stuff you know like you know her having boy toys you know boy toys girl toys etc you know whatever she wants essentially threesomes with either inviting another another guy or threesome inviting another girl really just kind of all the above and she gets very into it during dirty talk um like during sex she gets super into it you know with doing dirty talk with just the two of us but she does tell me that it's just fantasy she does not want to do it at all in real life Fast forward to about a week ago, and I had a back injury that knocked me down pretty good for the last two or three months, and our sex life has become basically non-existent during those two or three months just because I've been been unable, essentially. I found out that she recently, about this week, is when I found out, found out about it, she has a dating profile showing herself as being bisexual, interested in men and women. I saw that and ended up, snoo- you know, ended up snooping, basically, and saw that she has been texting with with a couple guys, and she's met up with at least one of them. Not sure how much they did. I know they. I can see they at least kissed by what I saw in the text message, but I don't know exactly what transpired more than that. 
So Dan, what I'm frustrated about wondering how to do this basically is if she would have told me that she wanted to go get fucked basically because I was unable to fuck her with, with my back injury, I would have been totally into it. Um, it would have been, been really hot and tell the truth. I would have, it would have put me over the edge so much that I would have fucked the hell out of her before the date. And I would have been waiting for her at home so I could fuck her as soon as she came home too. It just, it would have been really hot to me. And I'm just trying to figure out why it was done the way it was done and, you know, keeping it a secret from me and, um, yeah, and keeping a secret. She still does not know that I know, um, but I do need to talk to her about this because it's not really feasible to have this, you know, as an, as an open thing. So I'm going to be talking to her about it soon, just trying to figure out the best way to go about it. And we do also have a two-year-old son as well. I really want to save this marriage. I want to do everything I can to save this marriage. And perfect world, I would say that we would going forward would be very communicative and we would be you know doing all sorts of kinky fun you know threesomes foursomes moresomes boy toys girl toys etc um so thanks for your help i'm gonna have to add something to my short list of the things that snooping can do sometimes when you snoop you find out something you had a right to know you know if your husband's having unprotected sex with a million men and then coming home and having unprotected sex with you and that's what you found out when you went snooping you had a right to know that a need to know that and retroactively the snooping is allowed Sometimes, though, you snoop, you find out something you didn't need to know about your partner, and it disturbs you, and you can't unknow it, and they didn't really do anything wrong. In your case, though, you found out something about your partner that you are excited to know. But how do you broach the subject with your partner? The thing that you're psyched to know about, happy to know about, you're going to have to tell them how you found out about it, which involved violating their privacy. I guess what you found out kind of falls into two categories. You were psyched to know about this and you did kind of have a right to know about it. If your wife in your monogamous relationship, even though you didn't want it to be monogamous or as monogamous as she apparently wanted it to be until very recently is having sex with other people or meeting up with other people. That's something you kind of have a right to know about something she should have, could have, discussed with you in advance because she knew that you were excited about that prospect. Maybe don't want to make you the villain in the piece here. And I'm not suggesting that you are, or that this is your fault, but maybe your wife did it this way because you were very excited about the idea. And you say, you know, Oh, if she had told me I would have been fucking her right before she went off and fucked this other person and then fucked her right after she got back. And in hearing you describe her having this adventure with somebody else, it is kind of centering you and centering your dick and centering, I think in a perfectly legitimate way, your marital sexual relationship with your wife. I'm wondering if what your wife needed and wanted was to have that first outside sexual experience not revolve around you and your dick and your sexual relationship with each other, that it was something that she needed to do for her. And because of all the dirty talk, because of all the permission that you explicitly kind of, sort of, actually not kind of, sort of, actually, actually granted her during all that dirty talk, she felt entitled to go and make this happen and was intending to tell you about it when she was ready to tell you about it. Maybe after your back was better because because, because she rationalized doing this as not a betrayal and not a violation because she basically had your permission and kicked the can of telling you about it down the road because she didn't want to make you feel bad about the fact that as much as you might've wanted to fuck her after she got back from fucking somebody else, because of your injury, you wouldn't have been able to fuck her. And it just would have been a torment to you, <sighs> but you know what you know, and you're going to have to go to your wife and say, look, I did a bad thing and I apologized. I snooped. I found out X and I don't have a problem with X. You could have told me about X. You could have told me that you were, that you had a dating app. This excites me and thrills me. Then I really do think you should say to your wife, am I out over my skis here? When we've talked about this, have I made you feel pressured and made it too much about me and not about you? If that's why you kept this from me, I apologize for making you feel pressured. I want this to be about us and I want this to be about you 
and your freedom and my enjoyment of your freedoms, hot wifing and cuckolding is kind of about, and I can dial that back if that's the reason you kept this from me, but you didn't need to keep this from me. So we need to talk about why you did. And then, yeah, see where it goes. Obviously you would extend to your wife, your retroactive consent to her fucking this other person. You were excited about her doing that. You don't have to allow your anger at the way in which she went about doing what you had wanted her to do for a very long time, ruin it for you. And you can compartmentalize this discussion. You're excited that she had sex with somebody else. You're thrilled about it. You'd like to hear about it. And you don't resent her for having had sex with somebody else. And a conversation about why she felt she had to hide this from you, at least at first, and how you two together can have a healthier, more honest, open relationship going forward where she feels free, she doesn't feel pressured, and you don't feel like you need to snoop, where you don't feel like anything is being hidden from you. Hi, Dan. So I am a cis male in a hetero relationship, and I have an issue so um, years ago, I discovered that I am very much into nipple play, and I found that I could actually make myself come just from playing with my nipples. But that becomes an issue now, as my fiancé and I, uh, back in October, had our uh, first children. She gave birth to triplets. So your uh, congratulations for the babies and condolences for the death of my sex life are both welcome. So as babies go, they don't know what they're doing. They have a tendency to just grab and, you know, do whatever with their hands. And because they have triplets, I hold a lot more babies than your average singleton parent, which means that there are a lot of times where they just grab my nipples and I feel extraordinarily uncomfortable about it. And it's to the point now where I can no longer enjoy nipple play when I'm by myself and I find the time to have a solo cookie. <laughs> yeah, I, I no longer feel comfortable indulging in that for myself. And it's to the point now where it's the, you know, almost the middle of July and I'm walking around wearing a sweatshirt, but it's the only thing that makes me feel comfortable because I, I no longer can um, walk around without a shirt off uh, because of how uncomfortable I feel with now uh, my nipples being exposed around my kids because I have a sort of like unconscious, visceral, aggressive reaction by slapping and snatching your hand away from the area. I would love to hear anything that you suggest for handling this problem. Man, from the way you describe interacting with your triplets, it sounds not like you have three kids with six arms and six hands, but three kids who have six arms and six hands each. Little octopus triplets. You're going through what a lot of women go through, which is just there's so much tactile contact, physical contact, some of it unpleasant, some of it grabby with your infants that you're touched out by the end of the day, perhaps a little more touched out than the average father who's doing their fair share of child rearing might feel because there's three of them. And so I'm sure you and your wife never have a moment where one of you isn't having to run interference and handle at least one, if not more than one of these babies. And you're just touched out and touched out in a certain way. And a lot of the caring that you do around of infants and you, I know you're not breastfeeding, but a lot of the caring that you do is sort of chest height and those grabby hands. If you have long hair, they'll grab it. They'll grab at your lips, your mouth, and they'll grab at your chest. And you have very sensitive nipples and any sort of touch of your nipples prior to the invasion of the octopus triplets was erotic. And it was an, an erogenous zone for you exclusively. Any touch was sexual. And now you've had to sort of roll with a whole bunch of touch that's hitting, I think, a very appropriate circuit breaker in your erotic sort of uh, motherboard hardwiring where there was some confusion and shutting down because this touch 
which in the past your body physically understood as erotic and arousing was suddenly neither of those things. And the motherboard, the erotic motherboard just said, let's just cut this off for the moment while all of these hands that are not sex partners hands are coming at us. We're just going to shut those tits off for a little bit. It'll come back. Your kids will get a little bit older. They will exit this clutchy, grabby stage. You will be less physically drained by your triplets, less taxed. You will be less touched out. And the pleasure that you're not able to access right now around this particular kind of touch, it will return. You just have to be patient. All right, before we get to this week's listener response calls, I want to share a couple of the comments left on last week's show at savage.love. Says Apple Scruff 909 Dan, I say this with love. You are historically terrible at giving non-spoilery spoilers. You didn't ruin Barbie, but you said a lot more than you needed to about stuff that happens in it. If you're going to do that, maybe wait a couple of weeks after a movie's release to do so. Hey, at the top of my Barbie intro, I said there were mild spoilers ahead and to skip the intro if you hadn't seen the movie yet. And I can't realistically wait a couple of weeks to talk about Barbie when Barbie's all anyone is talking about and thinking about. So I gave a spoiler warning. You could have skipped ahead. You didn't skip ahead. Get off my beach. Says Alex, I was the little gay boy who played with Barbies. You were talking right to me. Thank you, Dan. The more I think about this omission, that there wasn't a little gay boy in Barbie who played with Barbies, the more it bothers me. The kind of little gay boys who loved Barbie usually got bullied for loving her. It would have been nice to see Margot Robbie as Barbie love one of those boys back just for a second, just a little bit. With the film on track to make billions of dollars, there are sure to be sequels and reboots, so maybe we'll see that scene eventually. Says John H., the 24-year-old caller who hooked up with her partnered friend needs to get the fuck over herself. She's not being iced out of her friend group. She's just not being invited to one particular dwelling while this guy is staying there. And they're not choosing this guy over you. They're choosing housing this guy, overseeing you in one specific location. In general, if you want to avoid this kind of drama, don't fuck around with partnered people. Or don't fuck around with partnered people in monogamous relationships. Not saying there isn't drama, potential drama when you fuck around with partnered people in open relationships. It's just a different kind of drama. But yeah, if you want to avoid this kind of drama, don't fuck around with partnered people in closed relationships. All right, for more listener comments, more of my responses, check out Struggle Session posted Thursdays at savage.love where I respond at length to comments, emails, and DMs from listeners and readers. It's another perk for Magnum subs. For all the perks, become my Magnum sub right now at savage.love. And now, listener response calls. Hi, Dan. This is a response for your recent caller who is in the unrequited love relationship and is about to go on the trip. I spent years in a very, very similar relationship that was so painful. And eventually, I got up the courage to ask why the love was unrequited and just be brave and find out what the actual answer was and address it head on. And he finally was able to tell me that he just simply wasn't attracted to me, which of course was horrible and very hard to hear. But it was actually the moment that I gained freedom from that relationship and was actually able to take that no for an answer and move on. And it was just the best thing for both of us. We ended up spending some a lot of time apart and more recently as you know, grown adults, we are very close and still remain, you know, one of my best friends that I have. But it really took that courage to have a conversation of, tell me straight to my face, what is the reason? Hi, I have a comment for the woman who's in love with her best friend. And oh my God, is Dan right? Do not, I repeat, do not go on this trip with this man. Even if you don't have travel insurance and you're going to lose 100% of the money you've already spent for this trip and it took you five years to save for it, don't go. I think it feels good to know that someone is pining after you. Even when the feelings are not reciprocated, it feels good to be wanted. So I think he is around you this much because it makes him feel good. 
I am sure. I mean, I would bet my next six months income that you are his emotional laxative. You are the only person he can depend on to dump his emotional nonsense on. He wants all the emotional benefits of having a girlfriend with none of the responsibility. To the woman who was uh, wringing her hands over, telling her best friend uh, that she loved him for the third time before a big trip to the UK, the absolute best thing that you can do is go on this trip and fuck everyone who meets your fancy. Let him see it because that's the best way for you to find out, does he really have feelings? It's the best way to force the issue. Hi, Dan. I'm the caller who's in love with my best friend. Uh, We went on our trip, hooked up, and now we're going to give love a shot. Luckily, the trip happened before the episode aired and I could take your advice. But we were able to talk through insecurities, concerns, hangups, and had an amazing trip full of love, affection, and some uh, hot, hot sex. I don't think your advice was bad or far off for not being close to the situation. It's just a testament to follow your gut and be patient with those who deserve the time and energy. Sometimes people surprise you. And we're going to leave it there. Got a question for next week's Lovecast or something to say about something I said on this week's Lovecast? Go to savage.love slash askdan right now while the question or comment is still fresh in your mind and record it for us. Or you can use the voice memo app on your phone and email your question or comment to q at savage.love. Or you can call us and leave us a message at 206-302-2064. The Hump website just got bigger and better. We've added a giant new streaming library to the Hump website. We've got five greatest hits collections for you, our brand new Hump Hardcore collection, plus the last three years of Hump lineups. It's a feast of fun, funny, sexy, and creative smut from mild to wild. Go to humpfilmfest.com to check out all that we have to offer you. And while you're there, click on humpfilmfest.com slash submit to find out how you can get your five minutes or less dirty movie into my dirty little film festival, humpfilmfest.com. Follow me on Instagram and threads at Dan Savage. Follow me on Blue Sky at Dan Savage. And follow me on the microblogging site formerly known as Twitter at Fake Dan Savage. Follow Leslie Sherman on Instagram at Leslie Sherman Therapy. And check out her website at LeslieShermanTherapy.com. The Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and Nancy and the tech-savvy at-risk youth. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thank you for downloading. Thank you.